Hi, I'm Rhett Terpstra, and this is Systematic on ESN. My guest this week is Brad Goh. He's a singer, a songwriter, and a filmmaker. How's it going, Brad? What's up, Brad? Thanks for having me. Um, I, I have, uh, I'm in a Slack room right now with, uh, that contains a Brett, a Brent, a Brad, and I think another Brett. Oh my goodness. What I've never on? had to deal with that before, but anytime someone misspells a handle, I get a notification. I think we need longer, uh, I should just go by TT Scuff everywhere. Anyway. Um, so you, you, you're the big thing that I kind of know about you is this, uh, hush project. Uh, so why don't you tell everybody what the hush project is? Sure. Um, it's actually a crazy, crazy story. So as you said, I'm a singer, songwriter and a filmmaker. And how that came about is I actually graduated as a film student, um, and then got a job in advertising doing film editing, which is my, still my freelance job. But um, on the side, I had been pursuing music in New York City, you know, like everyone else and wants to do <laughs> here. Um, but what happened to me about two years ago, while I was walking home from my editing job, uh, it was pouring rain, like really hard. Uh, so I had my umbrella up just walking across Midtown to the six train. And uh, I hit a stoplight and I'm waiting to cross the street. And this girl walks up next to me and she doesn't have an umbrella. She's just getting drenched. So uh, I turned to her and I asked, oh, hey, are you going to the six train? And she says, yes. So I'm like, all right, well, just get under the umbrella so you don't get soaked. Uh, so we start crossing the street and I look at her and I remember like thinking to myself, oh, my God, she is so beautiful. Like literally <laughs> probably one of the most beautiful men I've ever seen in my life. Um, so then I'm like thinking like, okay, I need to do something like I need to get a number. Like I'm just trying to think on my feet and see what the next step is. So we're walking to the train. I'm like, what's your name? Where are you from? And she just happens to be this like, gorgeous French girl with a, with an accent and everything. So I'm just, <laughs> I'm just quietly losing my mind as we're walking. Anyway, we get on the train and when we get out, I ask her to get a drink with me and uh, she says yes. And we hit it off. And about three weeks later, we're just like casually just hanging out with each other. And she says to me, Brad, I have an idea. We should both make something about how we met because it's so crazy and romantic. I'm like, okay. And like the songwriter in me is like, yeah, this is going to be awesome. I'm going to do something totally amazing. Um, so I had this idea to take our story or the, the, the story of this experience and uh, turn it into songs. So what I started doing was uh, writing these little blog posts about how we met. And at the end of every blog post, uh, I would bookend it with a song that was inspired by what had just happened in the post. Um, and by song number five or so, they're getting progressively sadder and sadder <laughs> because it comes clear to me that okay, oh, that, okay, like, clearly I am more into this girl than, than she is into me. And that's fine. That happens. But I thought, okay, if something if an experience like this could happen to me here in New York, there's got to be so many other stories in the world that no one's hearing about because no one's looking for them. So I wanted to take it upon myself to be that person to kind of travel around the world, find these stories and make music out of it and make an album out of it. And uh, that is the concept for the Hush project. Uh, and, and that was, yeah. And they're not always your stories. No, the, the Hush Project itself is actually a collection of eight stories from around the world that are not my own. And these are from strangers, family members, friends of friends, just like from all over the place, really. Um, 
but but I, I like it that way. It, it, it kind of creates diversity in the album, and and as a songwriter, I'm always looking for you know inspiration from new places. So that was the the idea behind that. So do you record these uh, kind of stories in song on location, or do you travel and then come back and and lay them down? Uh, it was actually an assortment because, I mean, when I set out, I was like super ambitious, and I told myself, okay, in each country I go to, I want to. One, shoot a nice sit-down interview, some of which you can see on my YouTube channel. Um, two, take... Oh, this is all while I'm in the country. Um, two, actually write a song while I'm there. And then three, record a music video for that song, which is super ambitious because I was only <laughs> in each country for maybe a week and change, if that. Um, so it's a lot of pressure, and in some in, in some of the countries, I was able to pull it off. But by the towards the end of the trip, I was just so so gassed mentally, and I, I couldn't. It was just like impossible to to force something out. I mean, you could force something out, but um, I you know. But that wasn't the point yeah. of the project, <laughs> right? Right. Um, so did you did you self fund this project? Uh, I did not. Well, it was partially self funded, but also it this project would not have gotten off the ground without Kickstarter, um, thankfully. So I ran that back in 2013 for a month, uh, raised $10,000, and that was enough. That was the amount in my head that, I, that allowed me to say, okay, I'm just going to take a break from freelancing here and travel for three months and make this thing happen and see what, where it goes. So it, that's, um, it's a beautiful story. How did, Thanks, it, uh, how did it go over? Um, really well, actually. It's opened a lot of new doors for me since, since starting this project, which was my hope for it. Um, I've found that I've gotten the most traction in the Philippines, um, where actually I'm, I'm now uh, working with Universal Music out there, and they've, they've been sub-publishing and distributing my album internationally, which has been awesome, and then also helping me um, promote my album there as well and then and hopefully the hope is that you know they'll i can kind of work with them to to get me to travel like throughout the the asias and like further promote and then hopefully swing back to america as well nice that's a pretty common phrase big in the philippines <laughs> right <laughs> my parents were uh were missionaries in the philippines oh nice i guess i, I have you I, been I, I so you not. must have no I, I i may have been conceived there but uh but oh, there you go. <laughs> no, no consciousness of mine existed in the Philippines. But I, I, I do, I know a lot. I know a lot about the Philippines and a little bit of Tagalog because of that. So, anyway, very cool. Uh, so, uh, how did this project affect you in the course of making it? Right. Um, yeah. So, a lot of the or one of the big questions that I ask every couple is like, you know, what's your definition of love? Like, trying to find out what this mystic idea is that this word everyone throws around and you know I've interviewed so many people by now and about this topic and, and heard so many different opinions and there's a lot of common threads there and you know a lot of them are it's very easy to just you know spew platitudes about it yeah for sure um, but the one thing I learned is that or like my, my personal takeaway from all the traveling and interviewing everyone is just that you yourself have to it's a conscious decision that you have to make for yourself. That's the biggest thing. Love, you mean? Yes. And that's, that's what I, I took away from it. I'm, I'm very I, glad to hear you say that. <laughs> yeah. 
Yeah, and I mean, I don't even know that if that I myself am ready yet, but I do know that like I really have to decide, and that, that I think that's really just once you decide, you know, it'll it'll happen. We see. I I have always strongly felt that you could potentially fall in love with anybody. Totally, you yeah. could convince <clears throat> yourself, and then ultimately, I realized that's what love is. I mean, if you commit to someone monogamously for life you made a decision that you were going to love that person and there might be a hundred other people in your life you could love right so i i like that the result of your exploration into a very romantic idea came out to be a very practical conclusion totally it's 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 that it's great that way i i wouldn't have it any other way love it um how many people did you have to interview to find stories that were worth writing songs about? Not a, I, I, I interviewed one. That's not true. I interviewed multiple couples in some countries, but in each country I, I did have like one, like, like my goal was I need one sit down interview. I'm going to set up my Mark three, mic them up with lav- with wireless mics and, and, and do it properly. And those are the, <clears throat> those are the interviews that ultimately ended up, becoming songs um see i would imagine that the first like four or five couples i would talk to would tell me that they didn't want to talk about it because like a one night stand in a bar bathroom and then it just (laughs) turned into something which does not make a great song at least not anything but country (laughs) there you go or hip-hop maybe i I like to believe that you know if if the couple is really in love and and you're you're talking with them long enough to kind of get past like the the initial shock of like talking about something like this, you, there's, there's always something there to be, to be discovered. And, uh, that was my hope with the interviews. Nice. You know, like, there, there's every relationship has a story and everything, every relationship has something special in my eyes. Either, maybe that's just the hopeless romantic in me, but, but that's well, how it worked out for me at least. I, I think, I think the only way that a project like this would work would be to approach it as a hopeless romantic with uh you know practical humanitarian kind of perspective sure and and i think the result was very good uh i, I was uh, i was sent a link to to the hush project it must have been almost a year ago now um and and someone said you should you should totally have this guy in the podcast and i went and i listened to it and instantly like i'm i have become very um fluid in my musical tastes mm-hmm. but i still i know what i like and your music was not what I would normally listen to, but I instantly enjoyed it. That's that, awesome. I really appreciate that. Thank <laughs> you. <laughs> well, tell people what kind of instruments you, you work with. Sure. Um, so I work with the Holy Trinity of Instruments, as some people call it. So I'm, I'm playing guitar, piano, and then I also do some drumming. Uh, but then I also do the vocals on the album. But like primarily off of this album, I'm doing piano, guitar, and vocals. Um, and then also, you know, doing some experimentation with Ableton Live and making some beats and and uh, putting that all together to create one hopefully cohesive musical work. So, as a film <clears throat> student, what is your musical training? Uh, I actually studied classical piano for ten years growing up, since I was maybe seven or eight years old, and it got really serious when I was in uh, like late middle school, early high school. I would be like traveling for competitions and stuff. And it was all, it was so hardcore to the point that like I started to dislike it and <laughs> practice became a chore. It <laughs> happened to me after three years. So you made it farther than I did. Nice. <laughs> I mean, it's, it's really great. I mean, I have no regrets looking back on it. And I, I really have to thank my parents for making me push through that because now it's, it's just, 
it's such a great just like I mean now that I'm an artist as well like but even if I wasn't just to be able to sit down at a piano and just play and just turn your brain off it's it's an amazing thing it's it's good for meeting uh uh, it's good for dating as well, I would say. Absolutely. <laughs> <laughs> um, do, and, and when did you pick up guitar? Uh, I picked up guitar when I was in high school, and uh, it was actually, I was taking drum lessons at the time, and I broke my collarbone snowboarding, and then I couldn't play the drums, and then that's when I really started noodling, noodling around with the guitar because that was the only instrument that I could kind of play and not feel like I was dying. I love watching piano players turn into guitar players because they approach the fretboard as a keyboard and they instantly understand chords in a way that people who just start with stringed instruments don't necessarily. Mm -hmm. And then being able to translate chords back and forth when songwriting, it's that it's a huge, uh, skill set for the, uh, for the purpose of song creation. I think totally. I always call piano the gateway instrument. (laughs) Well, see, I took piano uh, as a as a young child, and I played cello, and then uh, and then piano got kind of serious for a few years before I just lost interest, and I became a cellist in uh, like orchestra in school, and then I moved, and they only had room for uh, violists, and I had never played viola, but it it correlated to my cello. Right, uh, pretty well. So I just picked up viola, and uh, and I played that once in chamber orchestra and everything, and then uh, got into guitar, and then my piano lessons started coming back to me as I started learning guitar, and then ultimately that led to re-sparking an interest in piano. I never could play drums, but then I joined a band and. They needed a bass player, and so I figured <laughs> nice. bass is like a, you know, you play one string on a guitar, and so I figured that would be easy. It's harder than I thought, but I, I learned bass, and I kind of saw, like, all those instruments, I can't play any woodwind or brass instruments. I can play bugle, kind of, <laughs> but only because nice. of Boy Scouts, um, and I only know taps and, like, <laughs> I can play church organs, those big bells. Have you ever played those? I would love to. I've never had the chance to. It's laid out like a like piano really keyboard, but instead of keys, they're levers, and you like just push the levers down to ring a bell. It's, oh, it's man. Kind, it's kind of That's fun. That's got to be an amazing feeling. But it sounds like you're really musically talented. I should just recruit I you I wouldn't say band. talented. Experienced, maybe. <laughs> I, I, I do have an ability to... It's a lot like programming for me. Mm-hmm. Um, in fact, I, I my approach to music and programming is very very much the same thing. Uh, yeah, well, or at let's, least to let's composition. talk about that. I feel like yeah. that's a good segue between like, because I, like, I, I video edit, I've video edited for a good chunk of my life. And like, I've noticed that the processes that I, I've adopted over years of doing that, like they're like really spilling into every other mode of creation that I, that I do. So I've distilled that idea into a philosophy. Have you actually made it? Uh, can you actually detail the process and how it correlates? Uh, yeah, I mean, in a nutshell, you know, when, when I'm approaching a video or a a film, you know, I'll I'll have all the raw material, um, which would be, you know, we'll call it the shoe or whatever. And then I'll, I'll look at that and I'll distill my selects and I'll put that in a bin or in a timeline. And then, uh, you know, I'll distill those selects even further and cut the fat and then lay it out, look at it, cut again and look at it and, 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 you know, rewrites or re-edits, so on and so forth. And I feel that, 
um, when I'm songwriting, you know, I'm always, I'm always listening to my, my subconscious brain or whatever is, you know, fueling these ideas into my head. And I'm always like voice memoing or, or jotting down a note or like recording a, like a beat or a rhythm that I'm hearing. I'm just always any, any musical idea that's sticking out to me, I'm taking it down. Like that's my, my shooting, so to speak. And then when I'm sitting down to songwrite, I will take all these materials, put them all in one place, more or less, and, uh, you know, look at it and see how I can fit it together. And then once it's together, look at it again and see what I can cut out. Um, so my songwriting process is kind of a lot like my editing process in that way. See, that's interesting. Like my, my correlation is, uh, more building from a blank page, whereas yours is very much the, the, the process you describe is how I write, Mm. uh, like actual, like prose Mm. and, and tech blogging, you know, just like gather everything and then begin like sculpting and shaping it. Mm-hmm. Um, but I take a different approach to music where I, I have an end goal and I begin working toward it, uh, which is the way I code as well. And, and I don't, I haven't ever quantified the actual processes involved, but I, I, the, what you just described, I can totally relate to from, uh, like writing and editing and the process. I feel like a lot of jam bands would be a lot more appreciable if, uh, they took more of the uh, more pleasure in removing things. Uh, sure. <laughs> but Jam I mean, hat. it's a very it's hard for especially when I was younger. I go back and listen to the stuff I like laid down on a four track in high school and it would get long and it would get tedious. And I can't believe I made people listen to it at parties and stuff mm-hmm. because <laughs> I didn't understand how beautiful it can be to remove things. It wasn't until I studied jazz that I really got that, I think. Yeah, you're just too fascinated with, oh my God, this sounds so cool, and I made this. Isn't it great? (laughs) And now I can do it again with a different keyboard part over the top, and yeah, redundancy and repetitiveness. Um, Yeah, so does the creative process uh, from songwriting affect uh, anything other than your film editing? Do you apply it elsewhere in your life? Um, That's a good question, and... I think I was actually thinking about this the other day, and I, I definitely think it does, um, because I mean, the, the editing and the songwriting, those are all processes, those are all systems and just loops. You know, I'm just I'm gathering, cutting, and then cutting some more, and and so on and so forth. And I guess uh, in life, so to speak, you know, we we develop these habits and these loops, and then it, it's often it's often hard to break these loops because you don't realize you're in them. Um, um, which is why, you know, I, I think I mentioned to you before, like you need to like take a step back and kind of assess, you know, what the song is like, what your life is like, what the video looks like. Um, so I guess in that way, like I, I have, or only recently, actually, I, I've started to try to really curate how I spend my time and uh, whether or not I'm moving forward towards my goals by like, you know, taking retreats and like taking time, time off, like really time off. Like you're not allowed to to think about email or, or look at anything and just just be a be a human being for at least like a couple days. I think uh, I think there's an interesting point that maybe neither of us have thought of before. But um, OK, so take design, take the grid. 
you know, and there's a certain formula to where things go. And when you're writing a song in a certain genre, there's a certain formula sure. to, you know, intervals and pacing and, uh, and chord or, or like, uh, like verse and, uh, chorus patterns. Mm-hmm. Um, but the secret to writing something really good is to take those formulas and kind of figure out where you can break and bend them. And I think that probably applies like these loops we get into in life. Like if you can see them, if you can realize you're in them, you can figure out how to modify them to do something new to to accomplish the goal in a new way. Right. And I think that kind of creative process is something that people who work in anything from film editing to writing to music. uh, I think it's something they see more clearly or more easily than people who who don't work in the kind of uh, creative fields. Definitely. And Although I, would I consider say that, everything creative, but absolutely. Totally. But I, but I, I can say that like, you know, being a freelancer, like there's definitely periods where I'll go through like slow periods of, 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 of work. And I'll just be, you know, at home for like a week, just, you know, writing my music and doing my thing. And even when I'm, I'm in those, those weeks, it's, I mean, it's hard to like find the discipline to like really, you know, stay, stay to the, stay on your grind and, and creating, but it does afford me the opportunity to kind of like reflect on everything else that's going on and, and, and take a step back in that way. Yeah. If I made a career out of, uh, being creative, which I guess again, like everything is creative. Yeah, sure. You have already, but, (laughs) but if I had to like sit down and, and say, I need to write a song by the end of this week that I, I would suddenly loathe writing songs. I've definitely had moments like that. No doubt. Like that's, when your hobby becomes a job. <laughs> yeah, but that's, that's, that's part of the, that's kind of what I asked for, right? Um, you know, if I, if I set out to like be a songwriter, be an artist, there's always going to be moments like that. I, I, I really think so. Like, for, like, for example, for, for me, like when I, it doesn't always start as like, like when I outlined my creative process earlier, um, it's not always like collect everything and then trim the fat. Sometimes it is like I'll have one nugget and I'm going to try to build on this nugget. Um, but I have had moments where I've, I've had this moment of inspiration and I w- I'm so excited to like start writing it. And then all of a sudden I'm like halfway through and I'll hit a wall Yep. and, and, I, and I'll just be like hammering at this wall for an, like hours on end. And then I'll just like take a break from it and it'll just sit there for God knows how long. I'm sure I have like at least 25 plus songs that I've, I've started and never finished. Yeah. I, I have at least a dozen logic files that just have no ending to them yet. Yeah, and that's that's where the the discipline comes in, and that's where the 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 process of making a song comes in, like the, these systems that I have, these loops that I've I've created before, like with writing other songs. Like if I if I can find the discipline to apply this process and this system to this unfinished song, it will finish. I just have to decide that I'm willing to apply it, and just you know, sometimes it's not going to be perfect, but sometimes you know. Done is better than perfect. I don't know. (laughs) Okay, so here's a question relating to that. When you start a song and you hit a wall, and and I'm sure you've run into times where it's better to just drop it for the time being Mm -hmm. uh, and and come back to it when you feel like maybe you have a new idea. What do you do when you drop a project temporarily? How do you do you leave yourself notes? Do you outline the original intention or do you just leave it and come back to it, listen to what you have and then go from there? Well, 
you have to be really good about setting a true deadline. And for me, like I, I've also been like songwriting for artists in the Philippines. So like I do have deadlines. Like, like if if the label says like, hey, we need a song for so and so by this date. Like I need to deliver on that. So if I hit a wall, I mean, I'll I'll, I'll pause it for the time being for as long as I can until I actually have to finish something. <laughs> um, so that's one way to look at it. But uh, what about more personal projects? Like sure, when it when it's more of a hobby and you decide that this is going to consume more time than you can afford to spend on it. I think there's a there's a certain shelf life, I guess, in my brain. I guess well, there's like a. We'll just say it's like a bookshelf and I'll put the song on the on the shelf and it'll just be sitting on the shelf, but it'll be stewing in my mind like 24 seven, more or less yeah. for for a couple of weeks or even a month plus. And, uh, you know, maybe while I'm walking down the street one day, I'll something will come to me and then I'll, I'll record it. Um, and I, I don't know how long that shelf life is, to be honest. Um, so I guess however long it stays in my brain, like or in my subconscious, that's that's how long I'll work on it. And then it, whether or not it gets finished is like, I don't know. (laughs) (laughs) Well, see, and I, yeah, I run into that same thing where, uh, if I can just walk away, take a walk in the rain, you know, or, or go, uh, work on something else, do something else. I found recently weeding in the garden does it for me, but the subconscious mind, if I'm not actively thinking about the problem, I, I can solve it way faster. And I, I recently stopped taking my ADHD, uh, the amphetamines that I'd been on for a decade, mm-hmm. and suddenly found that it was way harder for me to sit at a project for you know hours at a time. And I had to take those breaks. And I ended up working faster because I wasn't focusing so hard on the problem and kind of letting it solve itself in the back of my mind. But I do have that shelf life where I I will sit down when I decide to to step away from a project. I will outline all the current thoughts I have and mm-hmm. the problems that I ran into in a note, uh, whether it's a coding project or a song or you know any piece I'm working on. And then if I hit that shelf life, I will come back to the project and I will not remember at all. Uh, once that shelf life is up, the project leaves my conscious mind entirely. Mm-hmm. And then those notes let me kind of pick it back up, but they also leave enough gaps that I can reassess. Right. You have fresh eyes. Yeah. Yeah. That's a huge thing in editing. Like, you know, cut the video and like, <laughs> don't look at it for a while. Look at it again and see if you really like it. Have you, do, do you find um, that you're very grateful for editors uh, out like outside eyes? Oh, Collaboration, absolutely. if you will. Yeah, no, it's all about, feedback like and and you know stepping into criticism and, and just looking for it and seeing what else you can improve because yeah every set of eyes every set of ears you know they're going to have a sense of sense they're going to have a sensibility that you know is unique to their own so and literally and, see and hear things that you just can't after you've sat at an editing board for long enough exactly, <laughs> exactly. obvious things that you've just yeah. it, you your mind has created blind spots for totally all right. Well, for for people looking for the Hush Project, it's at hushproject.tv. So definitely check that out. In your uh, in in your topic list, when we first started corresponding about this, you mentioned uh, hot and cold showers, and and yeah. <laughs> things related to that, which has kind of been an odd running theme uh, on this show. Uh, my own shower evolution, I guess. 
Um, so I'm curious, what uh, what is the story behind Hot and Cold Showers for you? Yeah, um, I, I honestly can't remember how I stumbled upon it. Maybe it was I was like reading some sort of article on Lifehacker or something about I think yeah, maybe that was it. I was reading an article about cold showers and the, the health benefits of cold showers on Lifehacker. So I started trying it out, I think, a, a little over a year ago now. And when I did it the first time, it really sucked. Um, <laughs> but I, I tried like, you know, 15 seconds at the end of a shower, just do a cold blast. And and I, I slowly built up a tolerance and I was, you know, increasing the time. And as I was increasing the time, I noticed that I was feeling like, so much more refreshed in the morning after doing that so much more awake almost like i just took like a shot of like caffeine or something um as as soon as i got out of the shower and uh as i um i'm also really into like working out and staying fit and i noticed that you know after a workout i would be craving the cold shower so Mm -hmm. i would do it and then those cold showers eventually evolved into ice baths and now i do those as well and what i found is that yeah um and what i found is that it really when you're in a cold shower and like you're just getting hit by like just freezing cold water like it's really hard to think about anything else yeah. other than the fact that the water is so cold yep um and for that it kind of offers me this strange way to meditate um just like sitting underneath the shower head just freezing my butt off but also it it kind of like forces myself to breathe and center myself and just just take it and then turn it off and you're done. Um, but in that like minute plus that I'm just sitting there, it's really, it's a really nice quiet space for me, which is like really helpful in terms of like creative process and whatnot. So now it's like a regular part of my routine every day, cold shower. And then, you know, maybe once a week, a nice bath. I, uh, I was always, I, 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 my entire life I took cold showers. Uh, that's amazing well i mean like i would always get yelled at if we took showers for too long so you had to hurry right and so that meant jumping into a cold shower uh because you didn't want uh anyone to shut the water off on you while you still had soap in your hair uh so you got going as fast as possible and i just became acclimated to the idea of lukewarm to cold showers and i i like that and anytime i mentioned to anyone that that was how i took showers they always told me oh no you got to take long hot showers that's where you get your best ideas and so i started trying it just i think my first long hot shower was last year and uh and i found that yeah um i the ideas started spilling out after the five minute mark which is about the longest shower i'd ever taken and uh and and i found it um it was it was an epiphany for me that showers could be that kind of thinking space but i still uh just about alternate like every other time between a cold shower and a hot shower because a cold shower does make your brain stop and the idea of making your brain stop is very meditative like you can suddenly erase all those racing thoughts in the foreground Mm -hmm. of your mind Mm -hmm. but your subconscious doesn't stop you know, like you're still thinking, but you've erased all of the distracting, like immediate problems that you were working on in the foreground. Totally. And I do. I find that very good. How long do your cold showers last? Uh, I guess it depends on how much time I have. Um, if it's after a workout or something and I'm just like about to go to bed, even I, it, they can go anywhere from, you know, one minute to, to five minutes. OK, so, yeah, short cold showers. 
Yeah, I've definitely gone longer though, like because there's like a an adjustment period. Like once you get over the initial shock of the water being cold, <laughs> it becomes almost like a massage, and I'll just be like rotating around, trying to hit every muscle that I hit, and like it's almost yeah, just like just like icing your muscles yeah. really. Yeah, that's so nice to hear someone say that. That's great. My wife yeah. takes like burning hot showers, and if I get into the shower after her. Oh, oh, oh boy. <laughs> <laughs> I can't believe her skin can handle the heat that that water is set to. And I'll, I'll just flip it straight cold and just let it cool off and then jump in. But yeah. Well, yeah, I heard that like like really high performance athletes, they do this thing where they like go really hot and they'll, they'll just cycle between hot and cold because I guess it like dilates the blood vessels somehow. Yeah, I've and, heard that. And, and I used to when I go when I was more athletic, um, I, uh, trainers would you tell me to alternate hot and cold on sprains and stuff, but that seems to have changed the medical approach. I think, I think last time I went, they said just heat, just, Mm. you know, when you're injured. Right. I'm sure there are still health benefits to alternating quickly, uh, for things like, uh, blood circulation. Right. Right. I'm not a medical professional by any, any means. Nor am I a fitness expert. I just, I, just, I just know what feels good to me, and that's what I do. Perfect. This episode of Systematic has been brought to you by Casper, an online retailer of premium mattresses for a fraction of the price. For years, the mattress industry has forced consumers into paying notoriously high markups. Casper is revolutionizing the mattress industry by cutting the cost of dealing with resellers and showrooms and passing the savings directly on to the consumer. Casper makes an obsessively engineered mattress at a shockingly fair price, especially for a mattress made in America. Casper mattresses offer just the right sink and just the right bounce thanks to two technologies, latex foam and memory foam, They come together for better nights and brighter days. Compared to the industry average of well over $1,500, Casper mattresses range from only $500 for a twin to $950 for a king size. I picked up a queen uh, right before we started talking to Casper about advertising, and unrelated actually. I saw it, and I'd been looking for a mattress for a while. I had, you know, a year and a half ago spent almost two grand on a mattress that was painful and I was very unhappy with after a year. I didn't want to spend another, you know, 2 to 2.5 grand on the bed that I had been looking at at the time, which was Tempur-Pedic. And then I saw this one with great reviews, much talked about, uh, for $800. And uh, I'm very, I'm very happy with it. I enjoy going to bed right now. I've never done that before. I've never liked the idea of laying down. Casper ruined my overtiredness. If you're still nervous about the idea of buying your mattress online, Casper has a completely risk-free trial and return policy. Try sleeping on a Casper for 100 days with free delivery and painless returns. Get $50 towards any Casper mattress by visiting casper.com systematic and using the promo code systematic. Terms and conditions apply. This episode of Systematic is brought to you by Text Expander 5. Text Expander helps you type faster. If you think about it, there are a lot of things that you type over and over again, such as email addresses, mailing addresses, phone numbers, common words or phrases, even your name. Then think about the redundant emails you have to send explaining the same thing on a regular basis. Now, imagine saving minutes, hours, and eventually days and weeks of your life by having Text Expander expand any text you want after you type short snippets. Text Expander will even show you your stats for exactly how much time it saved you. 
and mine has saved me 140 hours of typing in just the last six months. I even make it a point to share text expander snippets that I think are useful, and I make it easy to integrate them into your snippet library. There's a link in the show notes to my own collection, and the snippets show off some of the advanced things Text Expander can do using shell scripts and JavaScript, as well as built-in date manipulation and other tools instead of just inserting plain text. New in version 5, Text Expander suggests things that you should turn into snippets based on things it sees you typing regularly. Of course, you can turn it off if you're worried about privacy, but nothing ever gets sent to a server. It's just recorded in your own database and makes your life way easier. Text Expander 5 requires Yosemite and it costs $44.95 in the U.S. for new users. Upgrades are only $19.95 in the U.S. for existing users, and the upgrade is free for anyone who purchased on or after January 1, 2015. Save time and effort with Text Expander from Smile, and support this show when you do by going to smilesoftware.com systematic. Thanks to Smile and Text Expander 5. All right. Well, uh, after the shower interlude, we are now to the top picks half of the show. Uh, so we go round robin back and forth and one pick at a time and you get to start. Sure. Um, so let's see. I think about maybe six weeks ago, I adopted this new um, training program called Wendler 531. And uh, if you search that in the app store, there's an app uh, for this training method. And, uh, I've been on it for six weeks now. And I think it's been like of my year, I've been, I've been working out since I was in college, which is, you know, almost gosh, I graduated in 2008. So there's your time frame. Uh, <laughs> but like in the six weeks that I've been on this program, I, w- I can say that my body has changed the most drastically I've ever had it change ever in my workout career. So it's called Wendler 531. Um, and What's it's a really the, great routine. Uh, what level should you be before you start this particular workout program? Uh, you should first familiarize yourself with how to properly do a back squat and a deadlift. Okay. Um, so like start with the bar and ask people, you know, if your form is right, because it does that, that that's probably the hardest part about learning it. Uh, but once you have those forms down, like I would say there's, there's no better exercises you can do as long as your form is, is good. Um, well, I yeah. ask because I, I always look at the P90X workout. and Oh, those are great as well. <laughs> sure. But I see the before picture and say, that's where I, <laughs> I just want to get to the before picture. So I did the, 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 the P90, what, the one before it. I can't remember what it's called now, uh, but, but that's worked well. I've gotten into uh, Insanity, P90X. Well, see, and I, I have no desire. Like I use, uh, what's the burn uh oh daily uh, burn the daily burn yeah i do those and then you know they have different levels and i've started the the more intense ones and i just don't enjoy working out enough to put myself through the pain involved in those Mm -hmm. i just want to stay alive really totally (laughs) like i want to you know i want to be slim i want to be able to do the things in my life without requiring effort that's where i want to be strength wise but as far as like sculpted toned and able to run you know marathons it just that hasn't appealed to me it's not for everyone i can say (laughs) that like for me i don't know i i i really like i don't know i'm kind of a what is it sadist masochist i always mix them up uh well sadist (laughs) inflicts pain on others 
Okay, so I'm a masochist in that, like, I like challenging myself physically, even if it hurts. Um, but really, with any workout program, you know, just as long as you're consistent, that's all that really matters. Yeah, I had a roommate like that. I had a roommate who was very driven, worked out every day, and and I was the opposite. And we got along, but I just it's a it's a mindset I've never been able to fathom. Um, but I appreciate. As long as you're healthy, <laughs> as long as you're moving and walking and, and you're good. See, that even that requires uh, <laughs> discipline for me. Like, I had to get a treadmill desk uh, because at that point I wasn't leaving my desk. And so that got me moving. And now my Apple Watch has me, you know, it'll say time to stand up. So instead of just standing up, I will actually, I'll go do something relatively calisthenic. And, you know, every hour... Which that in and of itself has improved my it's huge my life quite a bit. My Apple Watch actually, I did not buy it as a health tool. I did not buy it to get in shape. I bought it because I wanted to develop applications for it. Right. But in the process, it has actually made me healthier. From someone who walks daily on a treadmill to someone who actually pays attention to, you know, motion throughout the day and everything. Mm. In a way that, that my amazing. Fitbit didn't hook me. Anyway. Cool. So when they're five three one, I'll find a link for that. And I guess I don't know. I feel my my picks are weird this week, but I have this. I I, I run websites, and traffic matters. So I spend some time on Google Analytics, and uh, and I've been using uh, Gadget, uh, which is a originally a dashboard widget that became a notification center. Uh, kind of a widget and recently a new one called GA today came out uh, so that I can, you know, slide in Yosemite. I can slide right from my desktop and see stats for all of my sites at once in one quick way area and not have to open a website or anything. And uh, I've, I like that it adds additional details. So my first pick is GA today, which is on the app store. Do you use a Mac? I do. So absolutely. Are, are, do you, do you, I assume you have to track traffic on your projects. No, totally. I mean, I'm working with uh, with uh, my like I have a, a person I work with to kind of manage like my Facebook and all that and the site. So I'm not looking at, at analytics all the time, but it's definitely something I do look at. I would say I check each each of my sites gets checked once a day. Um, I'm not obsessive about it, but I like to know if there was a big peak. Um, <laughs> I like to be alerted so I can make sure none of my websites go down. Right. <laughs> Other than that, I just like to see how things are averaging out and I don't need in-depth tools. So something like a, a Today Widget works well. Nice. All right. So that didn't lead to any in-depth conversations, but what's your second pick? Uh, my second pick is... Uh... So I recently took a retreat to uh, a cabin in upstate New York, just in the middle of the woods, and uh, through Airbnb, actually. And in this house, there happened to be what's called a singing bowl. Have you heard of these things? Yeah, yeah. Meditation, uh, like Buddhist. Yeah, yeah, exactly. So it was my first time using one of those since I think I, I do have vague memories of like using them when I was maybe like like really small, like six or seven with, with my dad. Uh, but I, it, it had been the first time I've seen one since then. And uh, I was just playing with it in this like yoga room. And uh, it was really amazing. It kind of had a similar effect to taking a cold shower without taking a cold shower. Yeah. And the fact that like, you, you're listening to this bowl and it just captures you and like, it 
it's it just it totally just calms the the mind. Um, so I would recommend definitely stopping by like some kind of Tibetan store or even Amazon and uh, picking up a singing bowl because they're amazing. Yeah, I for, <laughs> I, I require that kind of shortcut for meditation. Um, I need external things to help clear my mind. Mm-hmm. And uh, and even even in sleep, I tend to use uh, I, I had this whole setup for a long time where uh, the uh, if you've ever studied uh, like Tibetan meditation, then you know that towards the end of a meditation session, they'll ring a bell at increasingly short intervals until you get to the final kind of gong sound. Mm-hmm. And that's when you you come up and out. Um, but it kind of gives you like a slow transition from the the Zen state into reality. Uh, and and I found that necessary to get up at the times I wanted to get up for a long time. My body has since adjusted and I haven't set an alarm for two years. But uh, but yeah, things like singing bowls and cold showers are are excellent tools for me to uh, get out of my head for a while. Totally. That's amazing. You haven't used an alarm clock for over two years. My body, I can tell myself when to get up now. Sometimes I, sometimes I get up too early and I can't go back to sleep once I'm awake, but I'm, I haven't overslept for as long as I can remember. Wow. That's like a superpower. That's, <laughs> that's crazy. I guess um, part of it is um, marriage, uh, loud alarms, you know, two hours before someone else's oh, time to get up are, uh, they're a no, no. I, I, I like that the Apple Watch can buzz your wrist and so can the Fitbit, mm-hmm. like the silent alarm thing, but they're always charging in the morning and not on my wrist. So, yeah, anyway, it is, it we'll is, it's a that. nice talent to have. I don't know how I developed it. I just did. All right. Well, my second one is actually very related to my first one, which is probably a mistake, but uh, there's a free app called Today Scripts that lets you run any shell script command in the today uh, like the notification center on Yosemite Plus and I have one that just tests various websites for their up or down status uh, one that tells me current sales on my commercial applications um, and others that just run some system commands to tell me statuses and I like that it's entirely flexible it's the same thing as using Geek Tool, but it compresses it instead of being all over your desktop into a notification center that you can just run at, at will and use fewer system resources because it doesn't have to run in the background all the time. So it's another it's another very nerdy pick. Now, is that something like, I could be totally off the mark here, but is like is this something that you would use as an alternative to like, going into terminal and typing out something that you need your computer to do. No, it just makes it, it no, okay. it's not, it's designed for statuses. Like it's something that you want run automatically to inform you about the status of say your CPU load, which yeah, you could go into terminal and type a command, but it's not designed for actually running things, mm-hmm. uh, like accomplishing tasks so much as just letting you know how something's going. Got it. Okay. The kind of thing you would go to Notification Center for. Not the kind of thing I would, like, hack into Keyboard Maestro or <laughs> things that I wanted to run at specific times mm-hmm. as I need... Well, not at specific... Wanted to run on demand, you know, like, uh, sending an email, etc. 
but more for is my email server working? <laughs> okay, so I, I, I'm assuming you're not uh, uh, just based on our conversation thus far. You're not super nerdy about like automation and stuff. Um, there have been a few times when I have used automation, mainly for like. I need to like auto export a video or something from Premiere at a certain time. Like this was like years ago though. I haven't I haven't automated <laughs> anything in a long time. Um, I just yeah. realized what I should have picked. It's all right. You can make a three and a half pick. Yeah, I I may. <laughs> I'll, I'll I'll tack this one onto the end because I think it would be of great interest to you. So go ahead with your third oh, one. Oh, okay. So my I'll, third pick um, is a book that I read uh, two weeks ago. I woke I, while I was at this cabin in the woods, actually, um, at this this random dude's house in the woods. Uh, it's a book called Creative Visualization by Shakti Gawain, and I was just perusing his books. I woke up early one morning. I don't know why. Maybe I was channeling my inner Brett Terpstra, <laughs> <clears throat> and uh, I was just perusing his bookshelf, just looking for something to read. And I sat down for like I just picked it up and I read it in two hours. Um, but I like the book because it kind of outlines a lot of principles that. Um, that you'll find in other like self-help books like neuro-linguistic programming or things about you know manifestation and like the power of like visualizing things you want to attract in your life and it kind of really distills everything into this nice little easy to read book which is why I really liked it nice um, so, so that's called creative visualization by Shakti Gawain and I, I definitely recommend it nice I, I, I've just gotten back into reading uh, like serious reading like reading entire books not just manuals and totally. uh, so yeah I've, I've i've renewed my amazon addiction where i buy more books than i have time to read but it's um, hard man to like fit it in for like <laughs> I, I i i totally I'm, I'm right with you like, well i've been i've been actually desiring to make the time for it so that's been a lot easier it wasn't like a discipline thing it was mm-hmm. oh i really want to go you know finish this book so i'm gonna set aside half an hour before bed and uh and that, that's been good so so i'm actually I, I, I always say that, yeah, I should read that, but then I don't when people recommend books to me, and I'm, I'm fixing that now, so that does sound like something I should read. I asked my local bookseller yesterday, uh, I, I, I really, really enjoyed the last Christopher Moore book I read, um, who I describe as uh, Douglas Adams with ADHD, and uh, I asked him who else would be similar, and he thought about it for a long time and looked over the bookshelves and said, Christopher Moore is a singular author. Read more Christopher Moore. All so, right. So I heard a bunch of those. I'm, I'm getting, I'm, I'm really, um, it's, it's something I felt was missing from my life. I used to read voraciously as a child and uh, just, I got in trouble for reading too much, like reading during class and whatnot. And I lost that and now I'm finding it again. Nice. That, that is also an accomplishment. Getting in trouble for reading too much. That's great. <laughs> I got in trouble for a lot of things I didn't think I should get in trouble for. <laughs> I gave up trying not to get in trouble after a while. Um, I wanted to ask you, do you use Airbnb a lot? Uh, I was, that was actually my first experience using Airbnb, believe it or not. And uh, it was pretty great. I have, I have nothing really bad to say about it. But I, that was my first time. I'm planning a trip with Airbnb stops right now. And... I was trepidatious for a long time, but then they did a whole new like ad campaign mm-hmm. and it made me take a second look at it. And I realized, wow, this is not only like cheap lodging, it's actually really fun experiences involved with it. So totally. I, I just read the reviews, like, you know, make sure it all checks out. 
Um, but yeah, really, yeah. you have nothing to worry about. Awesome. All right, so I'm I'm actually I'm changing my third pick to this one that I thought of. Um, it's called the palette. The palette. And it's a series of modular components. Uh, you you have buttons, dials, and sliders. So you can create like a, a mixing board, but you can put them together in any configuration you want and assign them to do anything. Uh, they apparently were made for photo editing, where you could assign things like brightness, contrast, and curve levels to sliders and then see you know on screen using hardware controls, which I love hardware controls. Uh, it goes back to like learning sound mixing and things like that. Mm-hmm. Um, it's so great to just have a slider under your finger and hear things change. Yep. You know, with actual motions instead of trying to use algorithms for everything. Um, and this lets you. You could apply it to mixing. You could apply it to uh, photo editing. You could even apply it to things like web browsing or um, automation in general. And so I'm extremely interested. I've not had a chance to try it. They're on pre-order right now, uh, and it's like $300 for a set of two buttons, three dials, and two sliders, which is oh not a lot gosh. to work with. Um, and I don't know if those prices will ever come down, but it's still something that the concept behind it, I'm very intrigued by. Even even just as like a MIDI controller, although you can get like the Novation mixing right. like for about the same price and get a full set of you know 12 sliders and 12 uh pots and so the, so this is just like a like a it's just a programmable piece of hardware that you could assign to like aren't aren't there like compatibility implications about like like getting it to work with certain programs and things well, there, like that there's uh there's like a go between it has a built-in microprocessor it's called the core and you have to have the core to start snapping these together and making them work but um yeah, they have integrations with keyboard mode. So anything you can do with a keyboard on your computer, mm-hmm. you could translate through this. And with things like Better Touch Tool and Keyboard Maestro, you could make anything work. But it has built-in um, built-in compatibility with Lightroom, Photoshop, Illustrator, After Effects, Premiere, InDesign, MIDI controllers, and joystick mode uh, oh, for gaming. That sounds great. And then there's a developer kit, and you can build your own integrations. It's 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 an aspirational pro- product to me. Uh, it's way too expensive for me to actually go nuts with. But um, I can also with keyboard Sounds maestro. Good on paper. Yeah, with keyboard maestro, you can actually assign MIDI controls to do anything you want on your computer. So I actually have a a Novation. Wait, what do I have? It's not on my desk right now, but I have a keyboard that I've been using for a long, just 25 key keyboard with 12 pots on it. And so uh-huh. you can, I can make those do anything I want on my computer. I can do photo editing with a MIDI keyboard. Oh my God. I'm totally <laughs> going to do that. <laughs> it's keyboard nice. Keyboard Maestro? I'm yeah. Totally keyboard Maestro is a very handy utility. That sounds amazing. All right. So that, that would, I'm going to make that my third pick. The one I was going to, to talk about is Ghost Note, but I'm going to save it. I'm going to put it back in my top pick. For the future list um, if you haven't seen that it, it lets you um, add contextual notes so anytime you pop it open it's assigning that note to whatever document or folder or file you are looking at or working in so then you just leave that note and when you come back next time you open that file and then open ghost note it'll take you back to the notes 
for that particular context. Oh, that's amazing. But I haven't actually tried it yet. I'm fascinated by the idea. So I will go actually play with it, and then I'll make it a pick. All right. I, I would assume that that like backs up to the cloud or something as well, right? I honestly don't remember. I'm I, well, you would think that does sound handy though. Sync would be nice on that, but yeah. All right, so let's see. We'll 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 summarize here. You on Twitter, you are Brad Go. Yes, sir. And uh, and like I said before, uh, you can check out the Hush Project at hushproject.tv. And uh, is there anywhere else you would like people to find you? Uh, Facebook page, facebook.com slash hushproject is probably where you can get all the updates. We, we push everything through there primarily. Um, and then my Instagram is also at bradgo. And that's about it. I have been noticing lately that Instagram is a bigger traffic source for celebrities than anything else. And I, I, I guess I panned Instagram a long time ago. Do you find that you have a lot of interaction and uh, just kind of reach using Instagram? I would say so. I mean, I don't have like an astronomical amount of followers, but the followers I do have there tend to be pretty engaged, um, just commenting on random things and whatnot. That's interesting. Even more so, I think, I don't know, I, I feel like people check it way more casually than Facebook, and it, it just seems like a a more, it's an easier venue for communication. I don't know. It feels less official than Facebook. It feels a little bit more intimate, I think. I like it. I, I, I keep meaning to try to increase my presence there, but I generally, the only thing I have to post about is usually, uh, that that is mass consumable, would be pictures of cats and dogs, which I feel like there are enough of on the internet. So I kind of reserve that for Facebook for the most part. <laughs> nice. Maybe someday when I'm uh, getting out and traveling more, it'll be more interesting. But, all right, so... Hush Project on Facebook, and you said Brad Go on Instagram, right? Yep, that is uh, right. All right. Well, it has been a pleasure. Thank you for taking the time today. Brett, thanks so much for having me. Absolutely. And, uh, this is great. And I'm Brett Terpstra. I'm TT Scoff everywhere. In fact, if you go to ttscoff.com, it will go to brettterpstra.com, and TT Scoff is way easier to remember. So go with that. So, yeah, thanks, everybody, for listening. Thanks again, Brad, and we will see everybody next week.